0: All right, here we go. Wow, this is a big episode in the house 2.0 podcast and we have some huge guests here. Oh, this is a hard one to keep on the wraps for a while, when not it Scouse?
1: Yes, it is, it's been a hard one to keep on the wraps. You know, everybody's been uh, trying to get the, the thumb screws out so I could uh, let them know who was coming on. And I said, nope, you're gonna have to watch it to find out.
0: <laughs> I think we actually had a few front office staff people as well had asked that question, didn't they? They got no answer. Yes, they
1: did. Yep, couldn't, couldn't help them.
0: So it's such a such a big night tonight. Uh, you know, one of the things that we try to do with the In the House 2.0 podcast is move away from just Louisville City stuff since we've expanded as well with uh, racing here now. And then we're also expanding more into the college game and what's going on in the Louisville uh, market in Kentuckiana. So a uh, big, big night tonight. We've got Lori Lindsey, former U.S. Women's National Team player here on the podcast with us. Lori, thank you.
2: Oh, my goodness. Thank you. This is exciting. I'm happy to be here.
0: <laughs> and then somehow I was able to get Dan Laletta on here too. It's one of the biggest women's soccer websites out there, the EqualizerSoccer.com. That he contributes to, Dan. Thank you so much for taking the time.
3: My pleasure. But I have to say that when you introduce Lori Lindsay first, that I think it's a come down to to make me the next guest. I think Lori's the showcase guest here tonight.
2: Absolutely well, not, Dan.
0: <laughs> well, to make it I'll, even, I'll,
1: I'll tell you what. Because we're in the uh, in the middle of the COVID nineteen um, pandemic, I think it's necessary for me to put my mask on.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, oh, then, no. and, then, <laughs> and I'm wearing my mask.
2: That I love it. I need one of those.
0: Oh, and Dan, to make you feel better. Oh, be
1: be one of these.
0: That's why I didn't introduce you last. I introduced this <laughs> joker right here, Scouse last that everybody already knows. So. Oh me. So um, you know, like Scouse, we were kinda of talking off air before, you know, the draft is a new thing, especially for somebody from, you know, the UK. Um, we're kind of used to it here in American sports. With this expansion thing is a little bit different. I mean, we remember it in I remember it Major League Baseball and a few other areas, but there's some very unique rules that have been going on with this thing. Laurie, Dan, you guys have a lot more experience with this than us. How do you see that you know that this has been set up by the NWSL to make sure that the whole league is a success?
2: Dan, you want to
0: go I, ahead? I think that the league actually
3: did a really good job with this particular expansion draft as opposed to the other two. The other two, Houston came in in 2014, Orlando in 2016. And those maybe were a little bit more rushed the Louisville, but I think the league did a really good job at making sure Louisville had access to some decent players. You know, they didn't harm any other teams that much, although the coaches and front of those teams might disagree. But they did a fairly decent job, and I think Louisville did okay for themselves uh, in the expansion draft. I don't think they're a to get, but I think they've got themselves a nice base thanks to how the NW structured this
2: one. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, I would agree with, with Dan on that. I mean, there's, um, you know, I think one of the big things around this draft too is just the um, the depth of the league and um, what that was going to look like um, coming in. And it it really offered up um, just how deep it is in terms of some of the players that were available and for Louisville to put themselves in, a, in as Dan mentioned, in a fairly good position at this stage in the game in terms of, preparing for next season. So, fun draft because um, they had done their homework, but at the same time, um, um, we shall see, I guess, is like really kind of – I expect a lot of movement going forward for players and teams.
3: And to your point, Laurie, about depth, you know, in the beginning of this league and maybe fans, you know, weren't following, but a lot of players 5, 26, 27 who were not on the national team radar – we retiring rather than continuing on, even as starting players in the league. And that trend has somewhat uh, reversed where more players are sticking around and playing into their late 20s. And we'll see, you know, you look like the WNBA, everybody seems to play till they're 40. Uh, we'll see how that goes as this league grows a little bit. But, you know, th- that is the big reason why there's a lot more depth, because salaries have gone up a little bit. Uh, the sense that the league is stable. So if you're not playing year by year, wondering, you know, is the league even going to be around? So more players are sticking around, and that's a big part of the reason why there's more depth, I think, now than there was for the other expansion drafts.
0: One of the things that I noticed just um, looking back on it the last couple of days and thinking it through kind of the strategy of what put themselves in a position to do, and I'm not being a homer with this, I'm just looking at it from kind of an analytical data standpoint. It looks to me like the way that this was structured with international rights, that it was almost asset driven, not necessarily what's going to happen in the next six months to 12 months, especially with two new clubs coming out and the trade deadlines out there still. So that's something that's kind of unique to me with having an expansion draft and then the opportunity for just assets. Forget about the player itself, but what does that mean to the future of the club in six months, 12 months?
2: Yeah, I mean, you make a good point because I think one of the things too coming in, it's it's fun because there's like mock drafts being floated around, and and those are always fun. But I think people also um, forget kind of quickly that there are things like salary caps, and there's going to be extension drafts more next year uh, with Angel City coming in. So it's not really just immediate picking up the players that you. um, Yeah, well, let me back up. Yes, it is. I think about getting the best players possible at this given time but also you have to have at least one eye going forward as well because you could be picking these players and if you're not thinking about kind of like the holistic picture then your roster could be just kind of blown up again next year when the when the expansion draft comes around again so it really is about um kind of being mindful of people uh and i like the point that dan makes about uh why there's more depth right i think you're starting to see the longevity of careers people staying in the game longer um the professionalism of the league um, is continues to grow, so it allows for players to be in, in longer. And um, but you had a good mix. You have a good mix of some young players that are just getting experience, or maybe just finished their rookie season, and then some seasoned players that aren't a national team but have a lot of understanding about the NWSL in general. And then then they obviously sprinkled in the big ones with like Kovan Heath and Kristen Press, with just getting their rights, but you mentioned i mean that, that could be with one eye on the future it's it's still unclear whether or not they'll play and or they'll use that to get more trades or go or however that looks going forward right so
3: yeah i think it's there's no question the four best players that louisville got in the expansion draft were press and heath and also caitlin ford and Alanic kennedy and all four mm-hmm. of those players right now are not only playing in england but they're actually contracted in england as opposed to being on loan So I don't know whether Christy Holly spoke to them ahead of time or spoke to their agents ahead of time. But certainly I wouldn't expect any of those four to be playing in Louisville when the season opens in April. Hopefully it's in April. But hopefully there's a plan in place. As you know, you mentioned uh, the word assets. And yeah, you know, they are something that can be used as assets because they certainly won't be around uh, for the start of the season.
0: Yeah, so that that's one of the funnest things, I think, to look at this because there's so many moving parts right now, especially with a new club, and we know very little about what to expect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I've watched my fair share of NWSL, but not been until it's like you have a USL team. We mentioned earlier, you know, did you see the new Louisville City logo? And everybody's like, oh, that's not really my world. So this is kind of where Scouts and I are trying to figure all this out. And so I'm, I'm kind of at it with, um, I mean, I've got my racing cap on clearly, got my teal, so I'm all in. <laughs> season tickets, all that. So we're all good on that, aren't we, Scouse? But as far as um, trying to get too far into, like, what first day looks like, second day looks like, I am something that scouts not been able to talk to uh, the gaffer, Christy Holly, quite a bit. And uh, one of the first questions that James O'Connor asked him, and you all know James. Um, James was one of the masterminds that really set up Louisville City for, you know, the best USL club in, in history, just with what they have done and the way it's been built. His first question he asked him, one of the first two he told me, he said, tell me about your family. That was the interview first or second question was, tell me about your family and christy was like oh, you're going right at me aren't you going right at me and i think that's something that christy's really trying to focus on because everything that he has told us is that you know he's not here for a one and done type situation he never thought he'd be here in Louisville to begin with but when once you get in here and you see the culture from the top down from the front office i really feel like in this draft and we'll get into the players in just a second but i do think this is a very good bedrock to lay down that they're looking for something bigger than a one, two year run to where this thing isn't going to be around. With the facilities that we have in here in Louisville, a $65 million stadium, this is not going away.
2: Yeah, I'll answer it. I'm sure Dan has something too. But, uh, you know, it was, it was really great to be able to talk to Christy Halley leading up to the draft last week um, and just his, pick his brain on. How he was going about it, how the team was going about it um, in terms of players that they wanted. And he did mention talking to players individually at length, players that he liked. He wanted to get to know them. And I think that doing that type of your homework, because it's really there's so much more that goes into it just on how you perform on the field and, and how players um, have done in the past it's really if you're building a culture if you have an, a real understanding of what you want for your organization for your team then it is about getting the best players in there and like looking at this roster uh, I would I would say not only have they done well on the field but in terms of again players that are hungry players that really care about something that's bigger than them, even just through the great line of I don't know these players, that's kind of the general theme across the board. So I mean, it, it echoes to exactly what you're saying. How James O'Connor has approached this organization as well, and just everybody involved. It, and personally, I had that feeling there was, <laughs> there was a tarp over the field, right? But being my first time at the stadium, I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's an intimate environment, exactly what you want from for a soccer facility, and you Got that sense with the limited amount of people that we had, obviously due to the restrictions.
1: So, Laurie, I've got a question for you. So, (laughs) yeah. During during um, this process where um, they go through and draft players, and um, do because I know you've played the game here in the United States before. Mm -hmm. So, do you think there are some players that are going to come in and think, "Oh, I'm going to Louisville." because you know it's a bit of a letdown because they're coming to louisville um because the 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 team that they were in uh, didn't protect them and said well you know you're going to go to louisville so how how does that you know translate to the player on the pitch are they disappointed that they're going to get released by their original team are are they how how does that make them feel you know just to say hey you know you're playing for louisville next year you're not playing for us no more
2: yeah, I think that's a really great question, and I appreciate it. Um, you know, absolutely. I think there will definitely be some players that are 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 feeling that way potentially, right? And I think it depends on the team that you're coming from. I think it's all in context of that individual. And also, me um, I was a part of an expansion draft in the previous league, the WPS. And the way that I look at expansion drafts is this is a fantastic opportunity. We've we've talked endlessly about how. Um, difficult it is for players to get minutes in this league if you're not in your starting 11 um, with only three subs typically outside of this past year and because the, the teams are so deep with talent and this just opens up for more opportunities for players to, to shine. And I think anytime you have an expansion draft, we see it with coaches. Sometimes you just need a new environment. And so for some players that have done well, and just, just so happened, couldn't be protected. And we see that with North Carolina really deep roster, really protected 11 players. So obviously there's going to be some really quality players left off that protected list. Um, but at the same time, there's going to be some other teams that, hey, maybe your players, excuse me, just didn't fit in completely with how the system that was being played in that particular team or organization. And they'll go to Louisville and it will revitalize their career. So, you know, my, if anybody was asking my advice, I would say you approach this as like, hell yeah, I'm going to potentially one of the best organizations now, we're up and running, they've been able to learn from success and um, potential mistakes from other organizations, already have a men's team in the USL that's up and operating, that's extremely successful. And there's a lot of resources, and I think you can easily go down the path of Ah, what does mean? I've been unprotected right now I'm being traded to Louisville or you could be like oh yeah here's my chance um, in in a professional environment where you don't always get chances like this right sometimes you don't so.
1: okay well I've got a message for all the the, uh, the the new players that are gonna come to Louisville right yeah is uh, you got drafted right uh-huh. but this is a promotion you come into the best team in this country bar none be the best facilities in the country bar
3: none and scousers house too so win
2: win win i, I do not disagree at all
3: that's also so i had that when lori got picked in the expansion draft that philadelphia team made the final in his first season so no pressure louisville
0: but that's that's
1: the part. <laughs> exactly. I,
0: you know I, I think to echo one message that you know Scalson out there he has a tendency to be a little bit more um, bold than i do on some predictions but we need the yin and the yang, right? Um, if you look at Louisville City's roster, and it's I'm going back to the James O'Connor, but also the front office, is that Louisville City has the, the players with the longest tenure at one club, and you see a winning tradition that started. And, the, you know, the challenge with a new league, and we, we've experienced this even with the USL. I mean, we picked it up from Orlando City, right? When we weren't even supposed to have a club, who would have thought soccer had been in Kentucky? This is, you know, basketball, bourbon, and horse racing. But what you, when you when you build that foundation the correct way the players don't want to leave. We just re-signed on Louisville City all four of our back line again for a one-year contract, and that stability has got to add up at some point. It doesn't year one or year two because it's not going to be like Angel City with all the Los Angeles thing and the glitz and the glamour and some other places like Portland that have done incredibly well, North Carolina what they've done. But building it the right way I think is what you'll you'll see from just for us speaking to the rest of the country, if whoever listens to this podcast, something that we've got used to, uh, people don't come here and leave real quick unless they mm-hmm. can choose to. So yeah. um, that, that's something that's exciting for us to be able to share with others.
2: Well, well, players are gonna come in and see that stadium. They're gonna see the new training facility and they're gonna be like, yes, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've come to the right place.
0: So, Dan, you've you've been around these expansion drafts and, you know, you make a, you have a lot of people that follow you because of what you're able to do and break down what these teams are doing, the transactions, your overall take on the draft, did it go the way you kind of expected it to for Louisville? I'm not trying to give a grade right now, but, you know, where they're surprises, disappointments, things you didn't think you would see? Where was your take as of watching it from a very neutral standpoint? Lori couldn't say too much because she was sitting right down there in the fifth third room that we've all walked into a million times, which is a <laughs> gorgeous area. But Dan, well, as you just being an observer from you know a few hundred miles away, what did you think? Well, I had my mock
3: draft up on equalizer and I only got three of them right. So I guess um, most of it was a surprise. Uh, but no, to, to be honest, I was very surprised about the Toby and press selections on a number of levels Mm -hmm. Uh, you know just personally i wouldn't have want i wouldn't have wanted to start my club by taking high profile players that wouldn't be with the club again maybe those are maybe those players were selected to use as assets maybe there's a high level of confidence that they will come to louisville and stay there yeah like you said you know maybe convince them to want to stay um you know, the same thing with Caitlin Ford and Alana Kennedy. Uh, those were a little bit less surprising because I thought Portland had maybe more to offer from the players that were available than using Token Heath. Uh, Utah could go either way. You know, Orlando was a little bit more of a crapshoot, so I think that was a little bit more worth a gamble to get Ford and Kennedy. I don't know that there were a lot of really desirable players in Orlando, but I what I would say was I think the draft went very much according to the way I would Holly to operate you know i got to cover him fairly closely when he coached sky blue in 2016 and 2017 and all the things that he is saying now as the head coach at louisville are all the things he said as the head coach at sky blue now that situation didn't end on a great note but we also know that sky blue is a club that has had various issues over the year so it's debatable the fault lies in that, but also, you know, a lot of coaches in all professional sports are much better in their second stops, right? You know, who's the, you know, the king of all sports coaches right now, Bill Belichick, his Cleveland tenure ended <laughs> in a disaster. And he went to New England and he got the right fit. And and look at him now. So, you know, that that's really, I think there were some picks that surprised me and some areas where I honestly thought that he left better players on the board. You know, I don't know the vision that he has of how the club's going to play. So, uh, you know, maybe there's more to it. And I also, I always say in the league, and really in, in you know, because soccer is is a not a closed market, don't judge a move until the final product gets put on the field because we don't know what the international scope looks like. We don't know what his plans are for the draft. He did acquire a high pick from Chicago. So I think right now they're first and fifth in the, in the right. Unannounced, but people seem to know what it is. Draft order coming up in a couple months, uh, so a little bit surprising. But I think all in all, I think that you know, I think the foundation is is solid so far. Lori, over to you. Uh,
2: yeah, you know, uh, not totally different than what Dan's saying. Um, I would agree. There's some, there is, uh, there are some, a few surprises. But I think that goes back to there's a lot more. Um, there's a lot more needed context and just saying, hey, we're going to pick try to pick the best players that are available and because you have to be within salary cap, right? So it's like, otherwise, you can just pick the players and then you're way over salary cap and you have to get rid of them. So uh, in terms of the Tobin, Heath, and Kristen Press, I think, yes, a bit surprising and I've, the verdict's still out and whether or not we're really going to see them uh, lace up with racing Louisville. But I think anytime you... You know, in many ways, too, this is it's a game, right? You're trying to figure out what other coaches are doing, what other teams are doing. And if they're going to leave those players unprotected and hope that like, hey, with, you know, I'm going to say, like, give this example, like Becky Sauerberg. She was just traded from Utah to Portland. There's, there's just at this stage in her career, 100 percent not likely going to Louisville. Right. And Christy Hollywood would know that and you wouldn't touch it. But at the same time, if you're going to leave so many players unprotected and hope that you can actually protect 14 to 15 players instead of your 11 because you don't think that the coach is going to um, take those players, then at some point in time you got to play the game as well, and and you got to take the players that are available and have their rights, and then it's like then it's. Yes, whether it's assets, whether then you can actually have a conversation with them and talk to them about what Louisville is all about. If you haven't done so already, and you, Cristiali, then do then does this make sense? Like it's just at some point in time, you've got to get yourself into the best position possible as an expansion team. And if this is what's happening, then you got to you got to you got to play hardball as well. So, not saying you know without me knowing all the context, I'm just giving my my thought process on it
0: i i was thinking about like what both both dan and Lori said there and so you you watch a house being built and if you watch and you don't see like what the final plans look like and you walk in and you're like why is there a bathroom and all i see is two by fours over here and then i see some walls over Mm -hmm. here and then it comes together and you're like oh i didn't know that the bathroom was next to the living room that makes sense now you know you're walking around the subfloor and i'm not saying that's exactly the way it goes but like you said both of you all have echoed the same thing because it's it's not the job of any club to lay out their master plan mm-hmm. they're picking parts and pieces that they think may fit to what their plan is and we don't know exactly how that looks i know know there's definitely not a a quick shot in the bucket type thing that they're going for but yeah i mean i, I look at the amount of forwards versus midfielders versus defensive players and we'll get in that in just a second with some formations and thoughts on that <laughs> but hey, i'm looking i'm like, Whoa! This is like old school Greatest Show on Turf, St. Louis Rams, like with Kurt Warner at quarterback. So it looks crazy. Scouts, you got any thoughts on where we're at with that? If not, we'll move on to another area. Yep,
1: I'm I'm um, okay with that. It's just um, you know just the process. I'm learning the process just like everybody else, and um, as you know, that's the the reason why Scouse's House is out there is um, to bring um, people who have never watched a soccer game before. To the stadium, and um, the the one thing that we pride ourselves on is um, usually when people get into the stadium and watch a live soccer game, they don't leave, they always come back. So um, that's the whole uh, process we're trying to do. And um, you know, I'm kind of weary about the women's game, but you know what? I'm curious to find out what it's about.
3: Well, I can tell you this. If you get Heath and Press over there in Louisville, those are players that are not only very good, but very unique and very enjoyable to watch. And I think anyone that comes to see Heath and Press, now even put Yuki Nagasato in that yeah. group as well, players that are just, right. they they will, you know, if you are coming to a game just to, quote, check it out, those three players will leave an impression.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, Scott, you'll be an immediate fan. Trust us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: For context, so, also grew up on the cop in Liverpool, so he's used to winning a lot. <laughs> we had, yeah,
1: uh, you know, yeah, London City and six straight Eastern
0: Conference Finals, so he's, he has a tendency to be a little I'm impatient.
1: Is standing on the Kop, so, uh, you know, that, uh, I've lived over here thanks to my wife for, what, um, almost 30 years now. And, uh, you know, I, I want people to experience what I experienced growing up. You know, I remember watching Kenny Dalglish play. I remember watching… Um, Graham Sooners play, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Ray Clements, God rest his soul, who passed away this weekend. But, um, you know, I remember seeing those those players and winning title after title, the cup after cup. And I want people here in Louisville to experience what I've experienced when I was growing up. Because yeah. there was football and then there was football. You know? <laughs> so, you know,
0: all right, so I'm going to start us off back to front here uh, because we got a lot to talk about front. Um, rolling along pretty good here. I think uh, we're about 20, 25 minutes in. So we're doing great, guys, girls, everybody listening as well here. So
1: both people, um, Michelle Bezos and uh, Katie Lund. And the one thing that, that strikes me more than anything else with, the, with those picks, you got one lady who's um, um, 32 years old one who's really, really young. So right. Um, that was kind of, it was interesting to me. Um, and it's the same with going through the whole roster is there's a a nice mix right there of, um, some real good experience mixed in with real, um, up and coming talent.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll go. Uh, yeah, I think when we say Michelle Beto is about 32, I think, you know, it's, um, that's young for a goalkeeper. So, years ahead. Uh, And also, you know, just going back to the fact that if you're looking for, I never had the fortune to play with Michelle Vitos, but I have some good friends that did and have coached her. And if you're looking for some players with experience, that could be an integral part to building this culture of like, this is going to be hardworking, but not even, even outside of that context, because I think if you're talking, you can get Chris Impress and Tegan Heath, can these players. I mean, it's not to just to be about, it's going to be, there's going to be some glitz and glam to it as well. There's going to be some really great football being played, but again, facing and building your team off of like a strong foundation and like good people, then Michelle Betos is your go-to, go-to player. Because she is going to bring the locker room together, and I think Justice Schlock said it best in her, uh, it was either a tweet or somewhere on social media, she is going to miss Michelle Betos because she is the one that, like, kept that team picking, and so what a huge pickup, and then I don't find the discrepancy between age with Michelle Betos having a ton of experience and then Katie Lunn um, not having any experience at all, I actually find that great because it's a chance to be able to mold, Understands the league player that's still very much going to be like wide-eyed, ready to learn. Uh, I think that's a great mix and two very different goalkeepers um, coming into to Louisville right away.
3: I'll double down on the Michelle Betos there. I think if you are looking to hold the club and give the club a positive identity, then Michelle Betos is the player you want on your, uh, you know, I, I covered her for a season when she played for the New York Fury and you know, I, I, she's not the best goalkeeper you're going to ever find, but she is a player and she's a solid goalkeeper. I would be mildly concerned that the last two seasons both ended in injuries that I, I know she tore her Achilles and I believe had surgery again this past season, but when she was with the rain and she tore her Achilles in 2019, I can't my calendar, my internal calendar is all messed up this year, but I think it was you know, And Vlatko Andonovsky, who's now the national team coach, was coaching that club. And he told me that did Michelle Beto stay in the Pacific Northwest when she easily could have come home to the Northeast to recover. But she would actually sit behind Casey Murphy, who wound up being the goalkeeper, and trying to give Casey Murphy pointers during the game whenever that was an option in terms of where, you know, that was an option in the venue they were playing in. So. Um, I mean, yeah, Michelle is first rate when you when it comes to building the culture of a club. And I admit I don't know the first thing about Katie Lund except that she's young and doesn't have a minute of experience. In I, th- I found the keeper situation fascinating though because everyone expected right maybe they'd go AD French from Portland and that would have been like Tobin Heath, the, the Federation player, but they went with Heath instead. So okay, that's understandable. But they also had Caitlin Rowland was out there, who's won a champion in the league, but again, the Courage had real good players out there. They had Nicole Barnhart, who is, uh, she might be considered old for a keeper, right, Lori? She's <laughs> every year I hear, I think Barnhart's retiring, and then she comes back, and she's like one of the top two or three keepers in the league again, but that was the team that they got pressed from. Um, I did think Holly left some pretty good players on the board from the Spirit, where he took Katie Lund, but obviously he knows something I don't. When I say I don't know anything about her, uh, that's not a negative. That could be you know that's just my ignorance and not knowing anything about katie Lund. maybe he's she's the diamond in the rough and for five years we'll say wow I remember when we laughed like how i took katie Lund and now she's a star
0: good insight there so let's move back to the defense so when we picked up it looked like uh four maybe four and a half defenders who sticks out to dan i'll go right back to you on this uh who sticks out to you with who we picked up on defense and maybe who we missed go ahead
2: Okay, so Addison Merrick, Julia Ashley, uh, Lana Kennedy. I mean, she'd be hybrid between midfielder and defender. Uh, right, Aaron Simon. Haley Real, um, Caitlin Ford. Yeah, and Aaron Simon. All
3: right, I can uh, I can go with that. Um, I mean, Kennedy we talked about already. I, I think Kennedy's better in the midfield, and we don't know if she'll be there. What stands out to me is they don't really have anybody in central defense right now, so, uh, you know, Again, yeah, I don't think there were any fantastic central defenders that were out there, and there's a plan for that. Um, but, you know, the player that stands out a little bit there is Addison Merrick. When the courage went into the into twenty, they had no right back, and there was speculation about who it would be, and all of a sudden it was Addison Merrick, and she was really good in the Challenge Cup, and a lot of people thought that with uh, Jaylene Daniels stepping from the game that maybe Merrick was the heir of as the left-sided fullback for the courage, but that now won't be the case. So if she can – now it's it's totally different, and maybe Lori can speak more to this. It's different to a team that's established and become a part of that team than it is to join a team that is less established and then try to be one of the better players on that team. So I think that will be a transition for some of but I'm certainly curious to see. Uh, what she can do, you know, and Julia Ashley decided not to play for Sky Blue a couple years ago when she was a first round pick. And it was her and Haley Mace. And it seems like that work for Mace, who's now someone who she's scoring goals in Europe right now and will be back with the curve. Ashley's career didn't exactly take off from there, so this is her opportunity to, to show what she can do. Another one who got drafted by Sky Blue just didn't get a lot of time, was over in Europe. Bit and so you know those are players with opportunity in front of them and it'll be time to prove themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean, Dan took the players I was going to mention too. I think those are pretty obvious ones as well, though. And, and to speak to what Dan was talking about, I think he's exactly right, especially when organization like North Carolina that's a proven success a lot of times. Um, you know, I I'm careful to say this, but I think it's it's easy for players to go in there and be successful because it's a very, there's a, you understand what is being taken place and you're there on board or you're not. And I mean, it does require you to perform and Addison American did that and stepped up to the plate when needed and in, in a really tumultuous year. I mean, did really well. I think there's some question marks about can you continue that on your sophomore season um, in general? And then to also have to do that at a new team and exactly what Dan said, with new expectations maybe taking on somewhat of a leadership role in this, um, in this team, just in the fact that everyone potentially can until you kind of figure out who actually is your leaders, who's kind of um, not necessarily a role player, but essentially, yeah, a role player and you're kind of molding the rest of the team. Um, so it's still some question marks. Uh, it's pretty clear, though, um, that there's not a ton of experience in that block line. You see Aaron Simon, who has some experience, but not a ton either, from Houston. Um, in the league, Uh, Julie Ashley, which um, Dan just mentioned. And, you know, this is a player that, talking to Christy Holly before, was extremely high on coming into this season. Um, Had the chance to coach her previously, so knows her, knows her family, um, has high expectations for her. But I would imagine, given the fact that they are so young, we'll either see potential three back, Given the players that they have chosen, right. or if not, then um, I would imagine that are looking at some uh, international players that are potentially they've gone the defensive route internationally than they have um, in the attack.
0: Yeah, if you were just to look at it on paper, just from what we were talking about, uh, it looks like it could smell like a three-five-two with just what we have right now. But there's a lot to go forward with that because we've got a lot of forwards that doesn't necessarily always. Roll back into the five in the midfield, but I've got some other thoughts on that. Uh, Scouts, if you got anything on the D, if not, we'll move to midfield.
1: No, I don't really have that much on the defense, but um, you know, age-wise in defense, you know, they're all round right about all the same age, and, um, and and when I was going through looking at the profiles, you know, they're, they're all kind of uh, really of the the same experience, and um, I'm just looking forward to seeing how. Um, they all line up together, whether they all gel, whether they all start communicate together, making sure that um, they're all on the same page when they um, they they line up in the back line.
0: So as we move into the midfield, uh, there was Jennifer Cujo. I heard a lot of people being excited about Jennifer Cujo (laughs) about that pick, and I don't know enough to have an opinion on why people were excited, but they definitely were so. Where Emma sends us to you first, and I'm going to put Dan on the spot. i put you on the spot first on the midfield. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah, I was one of the players, and still am. That's high on Jericho came in undrafted. It was like a tryout player. Um took a while to get on the team. And then leading into the Challenge Cup was um, made the, the sky blue roster and, and played a significant role in their run in the Challenge Cup. And what I like about Jennifer Fujo is she's still very raw in terms of her capabilities, in my opinion, but she, you can tell that she has the ability to be a two-way midfielder and still needs some fine tuning on both ends. But Trina creative has this like deception and this um, attitude out in the field that I don't think that you typically see with a lot of um, uh, other midfielders, or at least in our league. And still, like I said, room to grow, and that's going to take some maturing in this league, but I think can offer uh, some real calmness in the center of the, the midfield and just a little bit of a different look um, to the Louisville side. And uh, some of uh, Dan, you might know this, but would take a international spot, correct?
3: I am almost positive about that. Yeah. We oftentimes hear that players have green cards or other – uh, mechanisms for not being international and we it doesn't information's not easy to come by, let's
0: put it that way but <laughs> college, yeah yeah
3: Jennifer Cujo needs an international spot.
0: Yeah. She's a Ghana international player um, yeah. and then how how do you see her pairing up in midfield with Lauren Millette and um, any other options that we have to kind of hold down the center of the pitch because it looks like up front we're ready to go all guns blazing.
2: Yeah. Well, I'll just start this, and then I'm sure Dan has something to add to it. But, um, you know, that, that's a big question mark for me because I, I look across and I think the, I, I like the, mix of the players, and I wouldn't say they're necessarily, they're like alike, right? Like with Sujo, Lauren Malay, with CC Kaiser, but they all do. And you add in Nagasato in the mix, you add in Savannah McCaskill that were already taken. Those are all like basically, More attacking midfielders. So I'm curious in how that kind of pans out. How you um, spread those players out. And again, that's why um, this is fun to talk about. Like this is why I love it because I'm also not entirely sure we're going to see every single one of these players here come the start of the season. Because eventually it's going to have to like spread itself out. And with the college draft coming around the corner, and um, yeah, I just movement. Um, Yeah, there's no. Which I do think that a lot of us thought, like, I, I even woke up from the draft the next day before I got on the plane. I'm like, where's all the greats Like, what's happening? And there was nothing. So uh, when we least expect it. Sorry, Dan, go ahead.
3: No, it's okay. I, but I do agree that there's no one that stands out as the player that's going to sit on top of the back line and protect the back line. And that might be more important on a team with a younger back line. Um, there's also, you mentioned Nagasato and Malay, I think, in particular. I kind of view both those players more as forwards than midfielders, which is that they can't come back in and play midfield. And there might be too many forwards, not enough midfielders at this point in time. Again, maybe Holly's got a way that he already has in his head. Play, But I'm not sure that there's somebody right now either to sit on top of the back line or to run the midfield and make that. So it's that spine of the team that might be lacking. Those are also sometimes the... I don't know if I would say the easiest players to get on the overseas market, but the players that can, that can come in and have the biggest immediate impact. So maybe maybe there's something going on there.
0: Well, I think you bring up an interesting point there, Dan, because, you know, as players get a little bit later in their career and their options aren't quite what they were before, you, you take somebody that's been a pretty good midfielder and you slide them back into that six to that, that spot right in front of the two center backs, then they have an opportunity to have the game in front of them a little bit more and kind of help the younger players along. Um, because there are definitely going to be options going forward. So and start- that's what, if you get Alana Kennedy over here, then Alana Kennedy can yeah. sit
3: the midfield and dominate a game from there.
1: Totally, I agree. So, so out of all of the players that we're seeing right now in the in the defense and in the midfield, who do you see that sticks out as a the general in the midfield, the general in the back four? That is gonna start coordinating and laying the law down to people to say, hey, you know, this is how it's gonna be. Who's gonna be the general back there? <laughs> uh, I think
2: it's up
3: for grabs in the back. What'd you say? I think it's up for grabs in the back right now.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I think if a lot of comes, you know, comes to Louisville, then she could be that player. But the question mark is when does she get in town, right? Um personally I'm curious about even though Julie Ashley hasn't stepped out on a field, she's she played overseas in Europe, she played over in um, Australia in the off-season before she could get the back injury. And I'm curious with the uh, level of excitement and confidence uh, that Christie Holly has in her could she step into that role and be more the vocal leader. Otherwise, really that's biggest, that would be my biggest concern outside of potentially getting an international player that has a lot of experience in their career that we just don't know about yet. Because otherwise there's just not a, there's not that Mitchell general, there's not that kind of vocal leader that you would hope for kind of in that defensive position right now.
3: Now after the trade, when Nagasaki came, Rory Games did a media availability and he said That when Yuki Nagasato came to the Red Stars, and this is paraphrasing, but he said that she raised the standard within the Red Stars to a level that he didn't know existed. And he said that after he made the trade, where she was off the team. So, you know, he wasn't just saying it to make her feel good about, you know, her role in the team. So, you know, she's not the midfield general type, but that, you know, if she can bring something, if she can bring that level of professionalism, then at least off the field and work ethic wise maybe she's the leader of the attacking core she also you have to remember she I mean she had such a great dynamic with Sam Kerr so it'll be really interesting to see her play a full season in the league Sam Kerr there
2: well that I was just going to say that same thing is like that's why I'm curious about Kristen Prescott, because she would be that type of forward uh, not right. play off of uh, with even just limited time that we saw Nagasato without Sam Kerr, she wasn't at the same caliber that I feel she was with Sam Kerr, just with Kerr's movement, be able to stretch the back line, for Nagasato be able to play the final pass. There's just good connection. So I'm really curious about the players around her, how, how that pans out. Simply. I agree.
0: Mm-hmm. So with, with Yuki coming over, let's move on up to the front line, if you don't mind. Uh, also, come over with savannah mccaskill at least they have some you know time together and that has to be a little bit of a it has to be something that they have to be looking forward to that they were the first big move that was made in chicago you know i think that uh, louisville did what they needed to do uh two smart irish guys on uh, making <laughs> their moves and uh they they saw a weakness where chicago also needed to protect some other things so they had to leave up some things that's a good thing for them to be in a position as a club that they had that many possibilities to leave Yuki and Savannah out there. So I wonder if Yuki and Savannah immediately will come in with some sort of partnership that at least because of playing together in Chicago, that they can help kind of bleed into this front line of what looks like five or six strikers to me right now.
2: Uh, yeah, I this is actually my favorite conversation in this draft is Savannah McCaskill because she's such an enigma to me in the fact that this will be our third team in a little over three years, I would say. And you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious. I'm really curious on what she'll be able to do because I think we keep, as fans and like media and broadcast, we'll we're, we're keep waiting for something more from Savannah McCaffrey because there's there's some really X factors that she um, she has in terms of her ability to shoot, her ability to play the final pass, um, but we don't see consistently enough. And really, what I've heard in general is that. You know, she's getting fitter, she's getting fitter to play ninety minutes, and but then she's running around chasing balls down in her defensive third. And I'm like, Well to me that's not where castles are best. So I don't care if she can play ninety minutes personally. It's like, can you get sixty fantastic minutes out of this player that has some qualities that Not every attacker possesses and keep her around the goal, like keep her in the number 10 position or withdrawing number nine, whatever you want to call it, and can she combine? But it to me is a bit more of like the mental aspect of the game. And I do think to your point, um, the fact that yes, I think there will be some sort of relationship with Nagasato. I think it just depends on how the team's going to play and how much there's a combination. Um, within that, and and also, how much how much Savannah McCaskill is ready to to do, right?
3: Yeah. Let me build on the Savannah McCaskill point. She was the second mm-hmm. overall pick in 2018. The team that drafted her, the Boston Breakers, was essentially literally out of business at the time they were drafting players. Two weeks later, they were out of business. She wound up on a Sky Blue that didn't win a game until their 24th, last game of the season. They eventually shipped her to Chicago. And I actually think the Red Stars got her fixed or right, or however you want to phrase it, but now she's free of the Red Star, not free of the Red Stars, but she's no longer on the Red Stars. And I think Lori makes a good point. This is Savannah McCaskill's time. Like, if she take what she has done, resurrecting her career. She was also in the national team pool at the time she was picked, by the breakers and she fell out of that. And, you know, I think there was a time where every time you would see her fall down, the play would be behind her and she'd be having her hands up in the air like this, wondering, you know, where was the foul? And, you know, it shouldn't have been an offside call. So if she can put her head down and go to work, I think she will be one of the more fascinating players to watch in the league to see if she can continue to take the strides that she took in her year and a half in Chicago and really didn't get a full season because 2020 was such a weird year and she came in midway through 2019, but I don't know that she really had enough time during that part of the year to, you know, to get her feet under on a, on a pretty good team. I might add.
0: Mm-hmm. I, think, uh, I think, I think mean, Scouse, I think when the gaffer was on here with us one or first or second time, I think it was the second time right after they'd made the trade that, he had actually worked with uh, Savannah with the teens, I believe, a little bit too, hadn't he?
1: Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know he's um, spoken very uh, fondly of um, Savannah. And um, he um, basically said, you know, regardless of what was going to happen, he was going to have her on the team because, uh, you know, of the, um, the experience she's had and um, the skill that she's got. So, um, in the in the gap that we trust so i'm i'm hopefully uh, gonna see her um, get 10 15 goals a season out, out here at um you know limb family stadium
0: and,
2: and then there you go too it goes back to what i said at the very beginning sometimes you get you float around, and then you you land at the place that's the perfect fit for you, with the coaching, with the way that the, the team wants to play, and, and and this could be it for Venom Caspo. So this really could be the opportunity for her to have those years under her belt, the experience, and then those shoes elevate, and then find herself at this in uh, Louisville and great home for her.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So the uh the fans in the uh, in the stands um come next season are gonna love them all to death you know and yeah. uh right behind them 100
3: mm-hmm. and the player i like on this front line is lauren malay again it's one thing to be you know dangerous in front of goal when you're playing with crystal dunn and uh lynn williams and, and it's another thing to do it when you know people are looking at you to score goals but i think she plays with great energy it comes from um, what is widely considered to be the best soccer culture in the NWSL to this point, and uh, I think Lauren Malay is someone that could score goals for uh, Racing Louisville immediately. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So, or- as a as a coach, okay, and I, I'm I'm sure that you've been in this situation, Lauren, yourself. You've got all of these players that probably a lot of them never played with each other ever. Yeah. They played against each other, but now you've got them all under the same roof. How do you get the team to gel um, and start getting them playing as a team rather than, uh, you know, uh, you know, as individuals? You know, because to me, it's it's a mountain to climb to get these guys on the pitch playing together.
2: Well, uh, as a player, from a player's point of view, I mean, culture is driven, I think, by the organization in general, but the players that come in. So that, in, in general, in some ways, will take a little bit of time for the personalities to shine, understand. But that has, I think, overall, the understanding of what the club is all about um, has to be clearly defined coming in so that players have a real clear vision of what's trying to be established in a through organization. And then, on the field. I also some of the best experiences for myself as a player were when your roles as a player were clear to clearly defined. And it was like, yes, there was room to showcase your skill and your personality out there, but it was like this is how we're playing. This is we are going, whether it's like this high press, high intensity, enthusiasm, here's how we want right back to play. You can show your charisma and craftiness. In that position, but these are these are what we're looking for. This is what we need out of this type of player, and I think the board, one thing I really appreciated that Christy Holly said going into the draft is he's like, and you know, we've really taken a look, not just on what we want to do in this organization, but we've looked around the league. What's been successful? What hasn't been Like successfully skews? And so I'm going to try to be North Carolina, but you can see what has clearly work there and. I played football in an expansion uh, team in Philadelphia. And um, as mentioned, we went to, in the two years that that team was in existence, went to the final both years, of which they lost. But the goals were clearly defined. We had room to do whatever we wanted within that of how we approached the game. But it was like, this is how this team is going to win. This is what um, this team is all about. And it made it easier to be able to perform at a high level.
3: And my career ended well earlier in my life than Lori. <laughs> not
2: much. Don't, don't
3: tell you how <laughs> no, not much, believe me. <laughs> but my opinion on expansion teams has always been that main goal for the first season is, yeah, you want to do well and you don't want to embarrass yourself and finish on the bottom of the table. But the main goal should be to establish a culture. How does the team play you know, the players that leave, leave and spread the word around the league or around the world in this case that, you know, this team is OK. And, you know, it's hard to look through the history of the of the women's leagues. But if you look at the Major League Soccer expansion teams like the Sounders and LAFC, and, yeah, they came in and they spent money on international players and they were good. But they also established culture and identity and they had stability early on. And the seems that haven't been successful haven't done that and uh, those are those are the teams that are always changing coaches and always shipping players out and struggling to be consistent and whatnot so i think more than the record the first year is about establishing that culture and identity
0: mm-hmm. i think i think that's good insight there Dave. Yeah, and the record
3: should follow if you do it successfully
0: yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah so i want to touch on a couple things um here quickly um and then we won't take too much more time because i know both Dan and Lori have been very kind, giving us their time this evening. Um, this team right now, as I'm looking at it, I know we didn't break down all the forwards, but there are a lot of them. That's okay. And we don't know you know, if Tobin's going to be here, whoever's going to be here, uh, and that's okay. It, uh, a formation that sticks out to me because we don't have a strong six, and it doesn't look like we have <clears throat> two strong center backs yet. If I were just to go, like, right now, what formation would this team play? It would almost look to me like a four-two-three-one. Just with that many interchangeable parts, with that many midfielders slash eight slash nine slash not really, yeah, a couple of tens as well. You guys are the experts over here from what you all see in the NWSL. Is that from that lineup that you see there, what would you see if they had to start today, right now? What would that formation look like? Lori has to go first on this question. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um, I don't think you're too far off base. I think a four, two, three, one would make a lot of sense your first year. I think um You know, we we're going to sort of see some shift and some different formations in the women's game. We already saw um, that in North Carolina this past year, um, especially in the fall series, we go into three back. Um, I think we'll see that more and more um, in the women's game. So I wouldn't be surprised going forward if Christy Holly attends that. But I think in your first year um, to Dan's point, when you're really establishing culture, you're you're really starting to provide stability. In some cases you lean on the fact that you go with what players are most comfortable with instead of bringing them in and have like everything is brand new. So a 4231 I think uh, provides you with a lot of different options. It could look um, like a 433. It could look like a 424 at
0: times, right? With any
2: strikers. So it could look very different and I think that depends on ultimately the players you have available. Um, and and how and how they mesh out on the field. So I think it's, it's it's a tough question to answer because it's still too early to say. Uh, but with this group here, uh, yeah, I would go with like a four-two-three-one as well, looking more um, like a four-three-three three or four-two-four four at times.
3: And it could also depend on whether the club really thinks that Press and Heath are coming. Let's say, I don't know when the Olympics end off the top of my head, but let's say and Heath are coming September, uh, you might build your team a little bit differently to prepare for their arrival than you would if you didn't think they were coming at all for the entire season. Not that you would build the team as if they were there and just replace them because they're not really, but you might structure your formation and your tactics in a way that would best suit you there Arrival because they would change the game. Also, on, on the on the central midfielder, how about Katarina Macario? Right, one's taking the draft coming up. Is that uh, are they just waiting on on that? You know, for the central midfield spot.
0: I
2: mean, if you're getting if you're getting Katarina and she's coming out, that's a good pickup.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, but you know, we're, we're keep we talk, talking like that. This um. These players that we got right now are going to be, um, that's all it's going to be. But it, to me, it seems like the, the team itself is still a bit thin. So there's a good chance that the team may be picking up a few extra players.
3: Oh, for sure. You're going to have players that will be waved around the league. You'll have um, players come out of that don't get drafted. And, yeah, there will definitely be more players than this. Will come in and Holly found a couple of you know Holly's first game coaching Sky Blue. He got a, he he beat the Rams in Seattle. They they had not lost in two years in that stadium. One of the goals was scored by Tasha Kai, who was on the national team and hadn't played in like years. The other goal was scored by Kelly Kanheeny, who had played in college and then had concussion issues and missed I think three full years. And he found, I mean, she came back and she scored the goal. So he was five players and. You'll find someone that none of us can even fathom right now and someone will contribute at least at some point in the
0: 2021 season. Dan, I love the way you're talking to us right now. <laughs> you're like Danopedia mm-hmm. up there in Long Island. I love this. <laughs> so um, I've got a few more points here and I'm going to pare it down to just um, <clears throat> one uh, for the sake of time. So overall strengths and weaknesses. Um, I know it's kind of a broad question, but I had three more points, and I don't want to take any more of you all's time. Overall strengths and weaknesses of this club compared to the rest of the league? I know it's still early, but if you were just to give a snapshot of of where you see there's some strengths and some opportunities for growth and some challenges as well. Uh, Lori, Dan, whoever wants to take that first, you all have dissected this league for years. Scouse and I like to – we're very good at yelling at goalkeepers. We can rattle the best – they clap us off sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes they flip us off, uh, but we have been to six Eastern Conference Finals, so <laughs> we're, we have a record. Uh, well,
2: I'll say this: I think you know not, this really doesn't have anything to do with on the field, even though it does partially. But um, I think when people see what Louisville is all about, they see the stadium, as I mentioned. That's going to be uh, that's going to be a leg up already. Um, it's going to be a fun place, going to be a path place to play. Um, Eventually, hopefully, we'll get fans back sooner than later. Um, But, yeah, exactly. Um, And just the resources provided, um, I already think pushes, in my opinion, pushes Louisville up um, a notch as an expansion team. And then on the field, I mean, I think there's some really exciting young players that are going to show some creativity. And they're going to want to have fun. And they're going to score goals so they can see a high-paced type soccer, which um, we see – we're starting to see more. We saw that in Houston Dash, um, in the challenge up in the full series. You see that with North Carolina. You can see that with Portland, and um, but currently, with what we see, I see some major vulnerabilities in the back because there aren't any true center backs either. Um, I, we have outside backs, or I mean, Louisville has outside backs, <laughs> but there's no um, there's no current center back. So I see some vulnerab- vulnerabilities there that are going to need to be taken care of. Prior, prior to the season. other than that, um, I think there's, there's, there's some really good starting pieces.
0: So before for Dan, you answer this because I'm going to ask you the same question too Dan. I'm gonna follow up with you, Lori, on this. Compared to other expansion teams, how would you say that Louisville sets versus the other ones that you have seen? Is this a similar pattern? Have you seen person. you don't have to give like a glazing answer, but I think it's interesting based on what you said.
2: I think just given where the league ha- is currently, And and, um, reiterating what Dan said early on about what more depth and players being having more experience because of the longevity in the league, Louisville is in a better spot than the other the other two. Yeah, depth alone, knowledge of the league, um, not even with the players that come in, but with the organization.
0: Yeah, because we have no litmus paper here. We don't know whether it's acidic or base, right?
1: Yeah
3: you know their yeah.
0: expansion, their roster right now based on compared to
3: Houston and orlando expansion drafts night and day mm-hmm. <laughs> right.
0: much yeah not even a comparison
2: yeah
0: so as far as where do you see them dan you know you cover the league very intensely as far as i mean the writings that you do are impressive and go ahead and give a plug for your your website too dan while you have a second here i don't want to let that slide by because you've been very uh, well recent.
3: it's uh equalizersoccer.com and Subscription based, but there's also lots of free stuff there. So check it out.
0: Uh, it's equalizersoccer.com. Yeah, and I think you write the, uh, you're the author of The Lowdown. Is that correct? I do. That's been on a little bit of a, a hiatus in 2020, but uh, we'll be back strong in 2021 with our column as the league. And so to follow up on the same question that I asked of Lori there, her uh, opening question was where do you see them kind of fitting in with the league this year as far as their challenges, um, opportunities? Well, it's so
3: much depends on how they fill the team out
0: with the draft
3: and the international spots. Obviously, if you can get Nagasato playing underneath, press one on each side, that is, that's a front line that will be hard to match around the league, maybe outside North Carolina. Um, but like Lori said, you know, center back is an issue. There's not a ton of depth. You know, they have one keeper with zero minutes experience, one keeper that's had a couple of surgeries in the last two years. So, you know, I. I think another strength is that, and this is what Holly wanted, is that he has players who are hungry. You know, you look at Kaylee Real, uh high second round pick in twenty twenty, didn't get a lot of time. She should be raring to go wherever she is. Um, you know, to the point that Scouts made earlier about not being maybe wanted on the other team, shouldn't matter. She's barely played, she should be ready to go Julia Ashley, like I mentioned before. Uh, bypassed the league because she didn't want to play at Sky Blue, and now she's been floating around for two years. She should be ready to go, saying, yeah, this is it. Let's let's go. I, you know, I'm going to show you how good I am. So, um, you know, that can't take you all the way to the top of the table, but it can take you a little bit. It's also, it's going to be such a weird season because 2020 season, yeah, the Dash did well, and you know the Courage had their ups and downs, and you can talk about, you know, Sky Blue did Things that they hadn't done in a couple of years and got some results, but it was such a disjointed year that I don't know that where we left off when we had a full season in 2019, you might matter less than ever heading into 2021. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's maybe a good year to be an expansion team because even the team's identities and cultures might struggle for some early continuity.
0: Good point, Scouse. Over to you, buddy. Uh, I've got oh. two follow-up things. Go.
1: Yeah, so one of the things that um, Scousers House really stands for is um, education. So I'm listening to this here podcast and um, like myself, you know, I've said uh, on here before, you know, I really don't know about the women's league or the women's game all that much. Where would you two guys recommend that I go to educate myself about the women's league and, um, you know, to learn about the players and, you know, you
3: know, what's happening. Where, where, where do, where should I go to see
1: that? Well, equalizersoccer.com, of course.
3: <laughs> I mean, I would honestly, I would say to go back and watch games.
2: Go back, find
3: the games, watch the games, um, you know, and try to watch the games through the prism of all 22 players and not through the prism of the two or three uh, U.S. international players that you know might get talked about more than the others. Not when Lori does the game, of course, because she's very balanced. But um, you know, you're, you're, you know, go back and you know, watch games, watch the good teams, you know, watch the play, watch the Red Stars. Um, you know, that, I think that that's the best way to learn, and you know, that's how you learn who plays where and who works well with other players, and you know. What things work and don't work and whatnot so that, that'd be my recommendation that and equalizer soccer and you're, you're good to go.
1: yeah right.
2: agree with any of that go to equalizer soccer honestly it's amazing it's really great well well worth the money so many reviews um great writers and and i'm not just saying that the dance on here it really is just like a plethora of a re- resources and and i think as the women's game really starts to grow we're seeing um you know, NBC put the women's game um, FSL on, and so um, it's just going to continue to to. And, and Equalizer does such a good job of mixing and knowing what's going on with the players over the individual players that are playing currently in Europe. So lots of lots of good stuff. Yeah,
3: and your big four
2: sorry, there, WSL. Sorry,
3: I was just saying the big four there: Press, Heath, Kennedy, and Ford are all in the. Yep. WSL and you can. Uh, the FA player is free to sign up for it. Pretty sure you can watch any game that's not on uh, uh, NBC SN. Yep. Well,
1: and then Dan, what we'll do is um, yeah. once this uh, this podcast gets published tomorrow, we will put a link to equalizer um, soccer for you so that uh, people can go directly in.
0: And- outstanding. Um so we've got two last topics here and nothing to do with racing but if you guys don't mind hanging out for just like one or two minutes we're going to knock out a couple things yeah. uh, we got louisville city's logo new logo just got released uh, louisville city did a fantastic job brad estes dave walkovic who's director of season ticket sales they did a whole bit on the wolf because matthew wolf uh, redesigned our logo there was a, a botched effort and brad estes owned it like he owns everything as president uh soccer holdings for both lou city and racing and uh, they did a really neat job. I, the, the logo was kind of inconsequential to me. I actually just like the video leading up to the logo release today.
3: Yeah, it's a, it's a sharp logo. I'm not, I'm not a, I'm a guy that can like recap all the old logos of all the clubs. The one I saw today was sharp.
1: <laughs>
0: I like
1: yeah, i we'll Recap take <laughs> Yeah, you know, and, and the one thing I'll give Louisville City a, a real good shout out. They um, they're one of the only organizations that know that sat down and they listened to the concerns of the supporters and they did something about it because you know when they released a the new logo last year, you know, there was a, a big hubbub and people just didn't like it and um, I'll, you know, just applaud for everything that they did to listen to the supporters and say, hey, we got it wrong and then. Um, we're 12 months on and we've got a, uh, a logo that uh, is to me. It, it's a huge improvement over the ones that they released last year.
0: Yeah, so I think uh, hopefully that uh, we know that leadership from the front office uh, bleeds through into everything they do. They listen to the supporters. There was definitely lots of consternation of gnashing of teeth. Uh, when the last one got released, it was almost like we were getting shuffled in and uh, big black darked out vans getting run down to the loose office. A number of us supporters like, OK, What are your thoughts on this one? Does it look like a barrel? Does it look like a bridge? Does it look like a fleur-de-lis? What does it look like? Does it scream Louisville? That was a lot. So kudos to them. Great job. Uh, It's all part of the process. And then uh, last thing we hit on Scouse. Uh, We've also got something to keep the kids warm this winter.
1: Yeah, you know, um, last year we did a a coat drive for anybody's um, gently used coats or if you've got coats sitting in the uh, the closet that uh, no one is using um our friend at uh, krm uh, kentucky um, refugees ministries here in louisville they have an awful lot of families um that really could use a warm coat this winter and we want you to go search your um your closets right because you know your kids kind of um, they're all growing up right now and they can't use those coats anymore because they're too small and if mom and dad you got a coat that you don't like anymore it doesn't go with your handbag or it doesn't go with your pair of shoes then please reach out to Scousers House and let us know. You can drop them off right here to, you know, I'm sitting in my office right now at the Crown Plaza over by the airport. You can drop them off right here. I'll pick them up and take them over to Kentucky Refugee Ministries. And I know um, the um, the local ladies um, are going to help us out with it too. And um, you know, just search those plazas. Let's give a nice warm coat to a kid or somebody who really could use a nice warm coat for this winter.
0: least we can do um dan lori can't thank you all enough for your time you've been very gracious this has been so much fun i've been so looking forward to this and uh like i put on the tweet that i tagged you all in it's been hard to keep this under wraps for about a week uh because we've been waiting for this um all this like gold pot of information coming into the nwsl And because we haven't had the club we haven't had a way to really channel it other than what we thought we should know but to hear you all's takes on this has been invaluable we can't thank you enough Hopefully, uh, at some point in the future, we could have you back uh, if it ever fits your schedule.
2: Yeah, wonderful. Thanks for having us on. Uh, great
1: conversation, and I'd love to be back.
0: Yeah, me
3: too.
1: Yeah, thank you guys. Uh, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate you guys. Thank you yeah, very much. Thank And I invite you to uh, come visit us in Scouser's house, and um, you know, you know, um, Scouser's house is located right in front of the largest continuous bar. Right. Oh, really. Yes, yes. The largest continuous bar in Kentucky is right, right behind Scouser's house. Not far to uh, to go to go get a nice um, cold adult beverage.
2: All right, I'm there. Count me nice. in. Is well. right. I'm bringing
1: Dan. <laughs> okay, Dan.
3: It's my intention to be at the first home game, but we'll see if that's allowed.
1: Ah, uh, love it. Oh uh, yeah, yeah.
3: If I not so, the first uh, one, We'll smoke one. you in
1: some way. One of the only ones. We'll sneak in. in Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, Bob will kill anything. Awesome.
0: All right. Thanks, everyone. Cheers, everybody. Thanks so much. We really appreciate it. Have a good night.
3: Appreciate it.